listening to another episode of Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth. Today's episode is another follow-up conversation regarding technology and the family. Today, I sit down with Sarah Painter. She is a wife and mother and homeschool advocate for our community. She has a wealth of wisdom to offer, so it was my pleasure to sit down with her and pick her brain on what it's like to see the role of technology in a godly, gospel-centered family. As I mentioned previously, we didn't really get enough time with a full panel to get into some of the nitty-gritty of what it means to be a parent in a world of technology. We're very grateful for Sarah Painter's presence on the panel, but I wanted to follow up with her and have a little bit deeper conversation and just see where it takes us. So thankfully, Sarah was able to carve out some time during quarantine to sit with me and follow up. So my first question for Sarah, whose kids range in age, again, from 10 to 20, when did you first have to think about technology in your home? When did it first become something you and Jason would have to think about and talk about and then deal with, with your kids? Okay. So two things with that answer. The first thing that comes to mind, that's not exactly technology specifically, but the first thing when you, when you asked me that that I was thinking about was when I read a book a long time ago, which name just flew out of my head. But anyway, I'll come back. But I realized that I was getting up every day when I just had Kinsey and Kerrigan. And I was turning on the TV. I was turning on the cartoons for them, that they weren't asking for the cartoons. And hmm. so I read, oh, Epidemic. That's what the book was called. It's no longer in print. But That's ironic to bring up a book called Epidemic right now. It is. Um, <laughs> but it was basically talking about raising your kids not to be brats. But one aspect in it was having other things babysit your children and not being engaged with your children. And one Mm. of the things they were talking about was media and it was talking about TV because this was years and years ago. And so I got up and I never turned on the TV and I waited to see how long it was before Kinsey and Kiergan asked to watch something. And it was six weeks. Hmm. And I was really convicted about that. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I... After that moment, how old were they? They were two and four because Jackson wasn't born yet. And so that's when I kind of realized I needed to kind of be more like aware, like just not just shove it in their face, just not turn it on just to take up space, Hmm. like to just think through when we watch things and why we watch things. And so I started to be interested in that and specifically in media and your kids or technology and your kids or whatever, because this is obviously Kinsey's 20 now, so 16 yeah. years ago. And so the next time that it was something more than TV, more than a movie, more than whatever, was probably when Kinsey got her iPod, which I believe she was in seventh grade. Okay. I was trying to think about that. And we had to monitor it because it was when, you know, all our friends were like seventh grade. So they just would text. So over. that's six years ago? No, seven, eight. Um, she was like twelve. Okay, so eight years ago. Yeah. So an iPod Touch. Yeah. Primarily, you guys got it for what? Like what? Because so, when I got an iPod, it was yeah. to listen to music. Yes. <laughs> so we really did. Weirdly enough, we did actually do a lot of um, like audiobooks. So okay. she did do it for that, okay. and she likes to play games. So okay. she she um always did games like on her DS or whatever. So. Yeah. 
But this was the first thing that she could do where she could contact other people. Yeah. And so she would text with all her other seventh grade friends because that's what Mm. they do. Yeah. So all the friends that had and they would text through their email. And that was the first time that I realized, okay, I'm going to need to kind of dial into this. Like we're going to need to make up some rules. And so, you know, then it was, you know, you had to give it to me until you were done with your school. But then she had to turn it in at night. There was no circle. There was no way to monitor this. Like the only way I could monitor that iPod touch was if it was in my hand. Yeah. So circle you just mentioned for folks who aren't aware is a device, uh, again, ironically owned by Disney that you can then use to establish filtering. It hooks up to your router, allows Mm -hmm. you to a lot of control over things that were that connect to the internet. It's a, it's a smart device in that way. So that's what circle means. Right. And it has expanded and now you can use it with cell phone stuff too. When, when we used it, cause I did eventually when that came out, that was the first thing that I did to monitor is we did buy circle cool. and it was good for things that had Wi-Fi. So yeah. we kind of stayed in that pattern until we had a first child with a cell phone, but we stayed. And when was that? When did Kinsey um, get Kinsey a cell phone? got a cell phone when she was 17. Cause that's when she got her license. Okay. So from 12 to 17, we stayed in iPod touch land where, you know, we could while she was in the house, but then, you know, they go stay at other people's houses and things like that. Mm. But, you know, I was the only mom that really was in her circle that was overly concerned about like, well, I was because I had a girl. Guys don't typically text as much, but anyway, and so, you know, just making sure, but Apple did, um, they did make it so that you could turn off Safari Mm -hmm. pretty soon with the iPod touch. So there were certain things that I could go in and do with a restrictions code on her iPod touch to make it so that it was less likely. But I know people whose kids, you know, go through the Apple and look at the sports illustrated calendar, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's, you can go through Pinterest, you can go through and devices like circle can't stop that. Yep. They can't stop what your kid, if your kid's going through Pinterest to get onto a link, if they open up their um, browser through Pinterest, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky, but yeah, so that was, she was 12. That would be good. the first time that we really had to start really taking it up a notch. So part of me immediately wants to be like, okay, I have time. And then I think about my 15 month old Rosie who grabs my cell phone if I leave it anywhere and knows that it's important already. And she knows that there are things that can be done on it. Uh, She'll hold it to her face, sure. But, you know, she's not even 18 months and knows that there are, that it's an, that it should receive some sort of attention that like, that's what I've formed in her by my usage of technology. And so I can't just be like, I've got time. I'm already on the hook, you know, from the time that a baby can walk with what I'm modeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but it's really helpful to hear kind of some of the stages there that you guys encountered in your family. And again, technology has changed in that time period. And so, uh, I've, you've said this before, how, you know, you're the, timeline for your next born, you know, was different than for your firstborn, And it's now mm-hmm. different again for your third, because they're different kids and technology has changed and what we can do with it and, and how to use it has changed. Um, so when did you first begin to help other parents, um, with navigating some of these issues and how did that come about? Well, 
basically, as soon as I started to figure out things with Kinsey's iPod, I would tell other parents, we're very social, so we hang out in large groups and, you know, other homeschool families and things like that. And so, or I would tell other parents, for instance, I would read, I had Kinsey's, we all shared the same Apple ID. They didn't have family sharing at the time. So if you didn't have your child on your own Apple ID, they had to have their own complete Apple ID. So they couldn't share your apps. They couldn't share any of that. Yeah. And also you couldn't see their text messages. Hmm. And so I had her text messages not go to my phone because that would have been awful because seventh graders text like thousands. Right. But I had it go to uh, like an iPad in the house. Okay. And so if I saw anything on there, I was, you know, in the circle, I was the parent that was like, hey, you know, you might want to, you may want to check on, you know, this or that. Now the kids knew that I read the text, so they kept it clean. They would even say, Hey, Kenzie's mom checks in on these texts. If something was like inappropriate was thrown around. But for the most part, it was very, very boring, very, very, very boring. And I would just kind of scroll and look for, you know, keywords or whatever. But so then other parents would say, how do you do that? How do you get the text messages? I mean, just Last Christmas, I think, um, I had a friend who was going to get their child an iPad and they were like, I know you know how to send the text messages somewhere. How do I do that? Like just as simple as getting text messages sent to another device in your house is helpful because I wasn't necessarily worried about within that bubble, although it can be telling. And it's also helpful, even though my kids, none of my children ever enjoy this, I can tell you that. But they it is helpful in a way because if I see that they're dealing with something a little heavy that they wouldn't come to me about necessarily, I could say, hey, I, I saw that such and such is dealing with this or that. Just let me know if you need any help. Yeah. You know, but not in like a, you're, that friend is awful. But, you know, just kind of extending because we, we assume that these kids know how to handle all this kind of stuff and they just don't. And yeah. so that lifeline that I've sent my kids, they have used it a lot and come back around and said, Hey, what do you think we should do about this? And I would say, well, y'all can hand, if you need an adult, let me know, but you know, let me know if you can try to handle it on your own. But, you know, so parents have come to me and asked this because I am very vocal on Facebook about the fact that I think it's really important for parents to not allow their children to be isolated with the high rates of anxiety, depression, the, just who my girls know and the people they know that are struggling with serious things. Yeah. Parents cannot take a backseat to any of this. And it starts very young. So when they're texting, you've got to be on it. Because what if they're texting some weirdo? What if they're texting some grown man? I mean, (laughs) it's just gross to think about. But so I always wanted to make sure that I could, if necessary, check in on that. And my kids would know. And you can't just look at their phone because they can delete text. That's why you have Mm. to have it sent to another iPad. Because then they can't delete the text. Yeah, yeah. It, they all come through. So the, uh, I, I'm grateful for Grace Community Church having a resource like you and your family. Um, I'm a huge nerd, and so I plan to kind of be on top of the way technology is used in our home. And like I love figuring out those little details, like you were talking about. You know, knowing how to navigate Apple IDs and stuff. So, uh, but what? What resources did you look for when you were trying to figure these things out? You know, so other people can go to you as a mm-hmm. resource, but where did you go? Like, did you just have to do yeah. the hard work of yeah. digging through these things? Yeah, I did. I would just look at, because, you know, Jason 
likes a lot. Of, he likes electronic toys, so he would just bring them in, and then I'd be like, oh, I can't give that to my kid, <laughs> and so I would spend hours on the device trying to lock it down. Mm. And so that's when I learned, much to the chagrin of most people, that Apple is much easier to lock down and protect than you know a PC or an yeah. Android. And so yeah, I open just, source is a double-edged sword. Open source technology means it's, you know, it, it, it appeals to my libertarian sensibilities, you know, like right. I, I'm allowing people to have the code to this and to build things like all the Android right. devices that are open source. I mean, it's uh, beautiful for creativity. And then the other edge of the sword is th this is uh, a hot mess to control and to, and to lock down. Yeah. As a parent, it's very difficult. And so, yeah, I just, um, I just stay on top of that. I'm the I'm the person that does all of that at my house. I, I figure it all out. A couple of years ago, Jackson got an Xbox as a Christmas gift from family members. Did they ask you before they bought it? No, <laughs> I think they asked Jason. What? What? Okay, I, I was about to say like, what I, would you I don't have said? Think I would have. They asked me the year before or the a couple years before that, and I said no. And they got my kids a trampoline, and that was amazing. Yeah. And I think they thought I might say no, so they didn't ask me this time. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so I spent, and it it has really it has not been awful, but I spent like the first week figuring out how to do that, and basically what before I had before he do, even got on it. Yeah. Huh. Before, I mean, I mean, I think I let him No, it did backfire a little bit. So when we first got on, we created an account and I actually had to spend a little bit of money to make that account Jason's account, because what a lot of people who have come to me for help have realized is that they've created a parent account for their kid. Yeah. Right. And so then their child has racked up all this stuff inside of games. Yeah. You, you unlock the like the the uh, money and all the whatever. Yeah. There's achievements that you unlock, right. but there's also the the game itself. If you've downloaded things, they're then attached to that email right, to that profile. Yep. And so a lot of people because they aren't a super nerd like me, created a parent account for their kid and then their kid is devastated. I'm sorry, that is not muting. Um, so <laughs> the um, so I had to spend money, not much, like five bucks, and right. create a new profile for Jackson and, yep. and then switch it so that Jason was the parent account. And then I had to create all of the siblings you know, an, an email that they could use with an Xbox, which has to be a Microsoft email. Yeah. And then I had to give everybody a profile. Then I had to go into everybody's profile based on their age and set up their permissions. Yep. And then I have an app. Um, they created an app. They didn't used to have an app even a couple of years ago that I can go in and adjust the family settings now from my phone. Yeah. But it used to be that I had to do it from my laptop. Mm -hmm. And so Jackson has a two hour limit right now. And if he wants to change outside of that tour, I can set what hours of the day he plays, how many hours he plays on any, and it goes across Microsoft, but we don't do anything else on right. Microsoft. But, um, and so I have to, it shuts off yeah. if, if I don't give him. And so, um, and that's where we are. And it's been a learning experience over the last, you know, two years, but yeah. So that's what I did. And it well, takes and it's a lot changed of energy. Over the last two years too. Like, I feel like, uh, both Apple and Microsoft, Google, you know, these companies are, in some ways, sensitive to 
demands as the you know the squeaky wheel gets agree. So if, right. as more parents are asking these companies to provide protections, and uh, then they're responding. And so Xbox has gotten better about um, the ease of availability of accessing family issues. You know, Apple's development of the screen time functionality in iOS has been tremendous. It's been Huge. helpful for me um, because I can you know set and monitor my own screen time use. And like, I can celebrate that, hey, wife, my time went down by 4% this week, which means I looked at my phone less, which is a good thing. Yeah, (laughs) or how many pickups or whatever. But I mean, it goes so quickly. For instance, just last night, Henry said, mom, my screen time thing's broken. He always says it's broken. It's not broken. (laughs) I was like, dude, it's not broken. And he's like, I I haven't been on that long. And he had it, it was an hour. And I said, I want you to look in the screen time app and I want you to look at the games that you played. And, and add it up if you'd like. And he said, that was an hour. That went really fast. And I was like, yeah, dude, it does. And that's why I have you on it on a schedule. And I did give him because, you know, everyone was playing Minecraft. I did give him extra time and he sat in there with his siblings. But the reality is, is even having it shut off and ask for more time makes them more aware of how quickly that goes. Yeah. And you can just eat up a whole day. Oh, yeah without even recognizing it. So, you know, I do think that the companies are way more sensitive. I, we haven't used our circle since Apple has improved cool. and done this in this done the screen time. So I agree with you. They have done a better job of helping us help our kids. But you still have to learn how that works. There's yes. still the, the need to, as a parent, uh, spend the time necessary to understand how the devices work and how those things are functioning and what to click and where to click. So, uh, for those who haven't already checked, you know, attached to the panel podcast from a few weeks ago, there's a document that includes several links. And one of those links is to um, a document that Sarah has put together that gives you a walkthrough of how to navigate the screen time in iOS and then how to navigate um, Xbox family settings. And I'm sure that, you know, as those things continue to update, um, Sarah will be more than willing to help uh, any parents walk through where to click and what to click. No, absolutely. Um, One of the things I wanted to take advantage of uh, since you've had a lot of opportunities to deal with other parents and and you have a bunch of kids, uh, what is the craziest misuse of technology that you've counseled through or walked through and we can change names, just say yeah. Bob and Sue, you know, for whatever no, kids might yeah. be involved, but, um, but or what, no names at all. Or no, yeah. Like what, what's the craziest, you know, most dangerous maybe thing that you've encountered, um, in I technology think, in a home? Well, I think it really depends also like what your particular children might be struggling with. So these are stories, not necessarily within my um, family, but um, because I do talk to a lot of different homeschool parents, but what I do see as a pattern with all of these kids is one of the great things is that these parents discover these things and they usually discover these things very quickly after they've happened. Okay. Um, Probably the Holy Spirit, honestly, has brought these parents into the situation. You know, situations that I can think of is a mom going up to um, her son. He was walking down the hallway and she walked up to him just to ask him for something, not even related. And he turned around and gave her his phone. He had, he had gotten his phone off of her you know, dresser and was taking it into the bathroom. You know, different things like that. I've, mm. I've known kids of creating their own Apple IDs so that they could get out from underneath their parents' restrictions. Hmm. Um, which, truth be told, you would have to look at your kid's phone or see that it was offline to be able to catch that, yeah. just to let you know. 
So kid, <laughs> you got to look at your kid's phone to know that. Yep. Um, so if they don't show up and find your iPhone, there's a reason. Um, other things would be, you know, laptops, you know, where, you know, they were hidden from the parent and the parent went upstairs like to get something random and noticed the laptop wasn't on the bed. And then was like, well, why isn't there a laptop on her bed? Searched the room for it, opened the laptop, found that their child had been all sorts of terrible places. But like if the laptop had been on the bed, the parent probably wouldn't even notice, you know, like Mm. it's just crazy. But I would say most of the time it's porn. It's it's getting around restrictions or um, figuring out a restrictions code and downloading Safari and then deleting it and and subverting those things. So you have to just, you can't just set restriction codes and do these things and walk away. You still have yeah. to have conversations. Yeah, it's not a set it and forget it yeah. situation. You still have to look at the phone. You still have to have conversations because there are ways to get to this stuff. You mm-hmm. can't, if they have downloaded something else that can get them on there, you still have to parent your child. Yeah. So, but most of the things are just sad circumstances of, 11 year olds looking at porn because honestly people think that it's like high schoolers and what I have discovered in talking to parents, it's mostly kids that are curious in middle school that Mm -hmm. are too embarrassed to ask questions because by the time your kid's 17, they're either asking it or they've asked it or they know it. Yeah. (laughs) But when they're 11 and someone says something and they're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, they just want to figure it out. They don't They don't want to be embarrassed. Yep. And so they look it up and they'll figure out how to look it up. And of course, it comes with a horrible link of some sort. Yep. And then it's a spiraling. So so that that's before most parents are concerned. Most parents aren't concerned about their 10-year-olds on porn. Right. Sadly. Well, for, um, for the future, I think that thinking about porn and believers is probably going to be another Grace Matters tangent that we take, like maybe a panel discussion and maybe several podcasts. You know, Jeff and I talked about that a lot before we started recording and then we didn't even have a chance to get to it in a 40 minute conversation that uh, is a previous episode to this. So it's like an onion of material. That's a whole nother significant issue that we certainly don't want to leave it unsaid. So I'm glad you brought up again, Um, but it requires so much more attention than we've given it to this point. But, um, but yeah, young men, especially it's not exclusive to young men, but young men with devices and unrestricted access uh, will equal porn viewing. And I will tell you that the ex- examples I gave you were females. So mm. it's not. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of friends that are shocked because it's females. So. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's definitely fifty fifty nowadays. So, well, before we get too depressed as we I talk know, about right? that, so I really loved the story that you shared during the panel of you know as Kerrigan, your second oldest, was um, allowed to use uh, Instagram at age sixteen. Right. Um, you had not allowed her to download that uh, up until that point. Uh, she came back to you and um, said thanks for fighting me on that until I was 16. Cause now I realize like I would have had problems with the comparison issues that are part of my nature if right. I've been using this kind of uh, social media. So what other stories of hope have you heard from your own kids or from other parents and kids that you interact with through co-op? Yeah, I think, well, just to correct that story, she did get Instagram foolishly. I let both of my girls get Instagram very young Yeah, and then they created um, a separate account, like 
just for fun or whatever, like it was Harry Potter themed or whatever. Right. But the fact that they had done that and not and not locked it down showed me they weren't ready for it. And mm. so then they both lost it. So I did do what all other parents did and didn't really understand what Instagram was. And yeah. I had gotten it then and then I let them get it. And then that lasted very briefly. So it was like a couple months. So they did have it very briefly. But um, so then they lost it. But that's the story of all of our lives. We yeah. get it, we lose it. But um, I think one thing that to me gives the most hope is that I feel like if we, with my kids especially, like I feel like like Kinsey doesn't care. She's hardly on social media at all anymore. But how she would have been early on, you know, in, in early years, had I not helped her monitor that, now she's like, I don't want to spend my time that way. I realize it's mm. it's not a the best use of my time. And I think, you know, Kerrigan goes in and out. We all go in and out. But I think some people, most of the people that I know, I think their children do come to a point to understand in their upper teens and early 20s more of who they are. Yeah. And they recognize social media for what it is. But I think the problem is, is that if you don't help them when they're young and vulnerable, there's a lot of damage done. Yeah. Like, I think that the thing for me is not that, you know, they're going to, you know, people think, well, if you don't give it to them now, then if you give it to them later, they're just going to be obsessed with it. And I don't think that's true. Huh. I think if you help your kids understand the limits of things, then even when they get it, they'll have so much of their time without it that they're not going to just eat it up constantly. They yeah. realize I, I, I was okay without this and I'm okay if I'm in, with it a little bit, but I just think that most people don't give the attention that's needed for the early years, like the, the upper elementary and the middle school when kids are so struggling to figure out who they are. Right. That's a tremendously formative time. Yeah. And I, th I feel like a lot of people give their kids way too much freedom then because they, they think that those kids aren't teenagers yet, you know? Mm. So, and the reality is having raised teenagers, they are much better at 16 and above. Like they are much more mature and much more aware to talk about this. And, you know, they want to present who they are as a person. So I feel like for parents that they're going to enjoy their upper teens. They're going to enjoy those people as teenagers a lot more if they have not allowed them to just can have so much guilt and regret of what they've put forward during those, you know, those late elementary and middle school years on there, because those kids are just trying to figure out who am I, you know, I mean, not to use such ridiculous terms, but the jock, the nerd, the, right. you know, the whatever, where do I fit in? Yeah. And I feel like making that bubble much smaller. And, you know, I would always tell my kids, if you want to look at something, you can go on my Instagram on my phone. If you, if you have a friend who have Instagram and you want to do that. But I think the hope really in this is that you need to parent your kids yep. and they do listen to you. And if you model to them that you are really after their heart and you're not just trying to be a beast yeah. and you really want them to develop into the best person they can be. And you're really trying to protect them from their sinful fleshly desires. And, you know, I said it before, but the war is not mother to child or dad to child. The war is child and parent against Satan. Yep. And that's what, just what Jeff has said previously too. You know? And so I really yep. feel like 
once you really go to your child and you're like, I'm, I want to help you, you know, recognize this. I really feel like you, it will, in the end, you'll be proud of how your kids have owned that yeah. and how they monitor themselves and how they desire to live a life for Christ. But I think it's just like the stages of life. And I just feel like people just, they neglect those people don't believe that 11, that a child can be that difficult or they think, well, they're not even a teenager yet, but right. girls, man, it's 11 to 14 ish. Yeah. And like, you know, boys, it's later. So, I mean, it's just, there's not like a textbook right. on that. I Unfortunately. Um, I think that, you know, largely you're kind of implying a connection to the social media. Like as we limit our children's formative time, limit their exposure to the social media, which, right. which forces those kinds of comparison, which ultimately are problems. I think similarly, like as we limit, um, during those formative years, uh, the recreational gaming yes, to an I extent. Was thinking for not um, to be sexist, but kind of boys versus girls. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because guys, it is definitely more. Because those are, gaming. those are patterns. Right. Those are physiological, like dopamine issues as yep. well. I hope to have a follow-up conversation with somebody in the game design field, but, um, there are things happening formatively, physiologically during those years. And as we, uh, as parents, again, that's, we have to be aware of that too. Not yeah. only how all the tech works, but how the bodies work. Like these are our our kids. And we, as, at one point were like that and we just have forgotten sometimes, right. or maybe we just never have paid attention to what's happening physiologically as well. But, um, you know, for, for guys who are gamers, um, during the formative middle school years, um, we have to be uh, careful. The patterns they establish in those times will carry into the college and beyond. And it's just like the, you know, the habit that you form can take five to seven times more to break the habit than to form it. Those things will happen with uh, regard to our use of technology. And who they are. And, and you and I were talking about this before we started to record, but I mean, a couple of things, number one, two different things that came to mind. Number one, the bullying that can happen yeah. with the gaming, like, you know, so-and-so is not cool or we won't play with him or we're locking him out of our party. Yeah. I mean, all that kind of stuff that I see that could happen. And then um, the other thing is, how they spend their time. Because if you, if you don't limit whoever's gaming in your house, boy or girl, and you don't limit that, then they're not going to spend time, you know, figuring out that they have other skills, yeah. that they have other interests. Not everybody can be an MLG gamer. You know, like <laughs> they don't, how can they be a blessing to the family? How can they go out and help dad? Because I can tell you that you know, just like everyone. I mean, would I rather watch a movie or would I rather clean my house? Like the reality is the majority of people will not choose work, but yet the work is where they'll get the gratification they're looking for. The work is going to yep. get be where they get the relationship bonding with the parent or, you know, even in misery against the kids. I always kind of enjoy the moment when my kids are old enough that they unify against me because I'm like, look at that they love each other. Like, even if it's against me, I'm yeah. proud of them that they are considering each other in that fight against me. But, um, so I'm actually proud of that. I don't tell them that at the time, but so I just think with, with gaming or with anything like that, you want to make sure that you're leaving space in their life to be bored and to be creative and to just figure out. Cause when my kids say, well, I'm bored, well, do you got to work on that? Like, are you, you can only be entertained. 
Like yeah. that's your life entertainment. You're, you're just here to be entertained all the time. Of course they don't like that. <laughs> right. I am definitely harsher than most parents, but I just, you know, you got to figure out how to be in this world and what does God have for you? He does not have for us. I'm not saying that all, all work and no play, but you can't just sit and play all the time. I mean, I want my kids to move on and move out and work for God. And I don't want them to be in my, well, I don't have a basement, but my attic. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, thank you so much for taking time to sit down and think through some of these things. Um, again, there's a lot more we could talk about. Um, and I'm grateful for God bringing your family to Grace uh, so that we could have you as a resource. But if you're outside of Grace Community Church and listening to this, uh, you're also more than welcome to reach out to Sarah. Um, she is one of the directors for Classical Conversations in our area. Um, and as we are in quarantine time and looks like all school will be homeschool moving <laughs> forward, um, I'm sure she'd love to talk to you about that too. Um, um, yeah. But uh, you can find more resources at graceccnc.org slash gracematters. We will find the rest of these podcasts and any other documents that we post there. But thank you again, Sarah, for taking time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anybody can contact me. I'm happy to help. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth. If you have any questions, please send an email to gracematters at gracecccnc.org.